hear about the Lesser of Two Evils marathon that we, the staff of Caustic Soda, recorded with some of Vancouver's funniest comics at the Seven Dining Lounge here in Vancouver. It was great. If you were not able to attend this live show, you can still listen to it by downloading it from causticgear.com. Now, we're releasing it as a pay-what-you-want. So that could be a dollar, that could be a million dollars, or if you want, it could be no dollars if you don't have any dollars whatsoever, or if you just don't like us and want to protest. But hey, if you like it, tell your friends. If you don't tell your friends about caustic soda, you will die. I'm Joe Fulgham. Witch doctors are getting in on the albino arms race. I'm Kevin Leeson. This episode is going to be our best one ever. Knock on wood. I'm Torn Atkinson, and this is Caustic Soda. Bam! Super comes from the Latin word over, and stare, or stare, means to stand. So to stand over... Is superstition, somehow. Hmm. Okay. Perhaps uh, from the notion of standing over something in awe. All Again, right. I don't really don't really understand how that works. Okay. All right. <laughs> Mythophobia is the fear of myths or stories or false statements. Okay. Triskaidekaphobia is the fear of the number thirteen. Paraskevidekatriophobia is the fear of uh the d- d- uh, paranormal activity. Friday the 13th. Oh. This episode is on superstitions. All Dangerous right. superstitions. Harmful, hazardous superstitions. Got it. Superstition is the belief in supernatural causality, that one event leads to the cause of another without any natural process linking the two events. I fear the supernatural powers behind my awesomeness. Right. Right. That is the source of your power. Yes. Yeah. Something completely unreal that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the real world. Mm-hmm. Yep. Astrology, religion... Omens, witchcraft, prophecies, etc. Mm-hmm. That contradicts natural science. And by uh, omens, you mean just ladies that are sick and tired of their menfolk? Oh, men. Oh, men. The title superstition sometimes is used to refer to religious practices, for example, voodoo, mm-hmm. other than the prevailing one in a given society. Yeah. For example, uh, Christianity and Western culture. Can I don't you- know how you do the voodoo that you do so well. Can you believe they believe in zombies coming back from the dead? Now, let's eat this bread. Who the, came back This from is the, the body dead. of Jesus who came back from the dead. Mm-hmm. Yes, the prevailing religion may contain just as many superstitious beliefs, mm-hmm. of course, as we know. It is also commonly applied to beliefs and practices surrounding luck, prophecy, and spiritual beings. Right, like if I rub my uh, rabbit's foot before I place that bet on the ponies, it's yeah. going to come in a winner. Particularly the belief that future events can be foretold by specific, apparently unrelated prior events. Mm-hmm. Like you said, like flipping a coin. So this won't be an episode on organized religion. Okay. We will have a witches episode, maybe this Halloween. Ooh. I know that Corey has been <laughs> working on the Google document quite fastidiously already. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, and we, of course, we also ha- already have a quackery episode. Yep. That, you can re- that uh, all of our listeners should refer to. Go back and check out. So the psychology of superstition. Okay. Have you knocked on wood, avoided a black cat, read your daily horoscope? Then you're engaging in magical thinking. 
What if I do it and laugh while I'm doing it? Nope. Like, Magical I like to, thinking. I like to read horoscopes and go. <laughs> <laughs> and you probably didn't even realize you're doing it. Uh-huh. However, not all no, rituals. I totally knew that I was going. <laughs> or beliefs are superstitions. Uh-huh. The dividing line is whether you give some kind of magical significance to the ritual, says Stuart Vise, PhD, and the author of Believing in Magic, the Psychology of Superstition. Got it. For example, if an athlete develops a ritual before a game, mm-hmm. something many coaches encourage, yep. it may help to calm and focus the athlete like repeating a mantra, which is not superstition. Right. Yeah, like uh, there's a lot of baseball pitchers who will, you know, rub a ball or like throw it into their glove or kick the mound like just X number of times before they throw yep. a pitch every time. And so you of, can kind of get in your zen state. It's also a lot of belly itchers. Because <laughs> you want pitchers and not belly itchers. Got it. <laughs> Got it. On the other hand, if you think the tapping the ball a certain number of times makes you win the game, you've entered superstitious territory. Right. Mm-hmm. Wanting more control or certainty in the dri- is the driving force behind most superstitions. We tend to look for some kind of rule or an explanation for why things happen. Okay. Sometimes, like, cr- why is this podcast happening? <laughs> why? Be- oh, why? It was because I knocked on wood. Oh, I see. I I, I rubbed uh, the the ball. No, it's because I didn't knock on wood. I said I was like, "Oh my god! I hope there isn't another podcast happening." Knock on wood, and then another podcast. Or I didn't knock on wood. That's right. Got it. Sometimes the creation of a false certainty is better than no certainty at all, and that is much of what the research suggests. Got it. So we'd rather think that this thing has caused a thing. Then understand the randomness. That there is no of all? control. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because we <laughs> we need something to ground us, or we, we, need, some, we, our, we need some confidence. We like, something to hold on to. We like reasons and control. Yeah. Right. For sure. So if we, just to make us feel like we have a measure of control. I am a bit of a control freak myself, so mm. I can appreciate that. But I don't engage. And in your that whole many, shirt is made out of rabbit's feet. I don't think I engage in that many superstitions. Well, we'll get to we'll get to a little, uh, not really a test, but maybe some kind of a quiz. Okay. So, job interviews, testing, and other situations where we want things to go well, regardless of our own preparation or performance, can spur superstitious thoughts. I oh wait a minute, maybe I do something before a job interview. Mm. uh, Is the sweating profusely count? (laughs) Yes. Right before you (laughs) on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. If you do, you have to sweat twelve times. It's like if I sweat if I sweat profusely right now. I will, you know, go to church. Thank you, God. <laughs> no matter how confident or prepared you are for an event, things can still happen beyond your control. Okay. Superstitions provide people with the sense that they've done one more thing to try to ensure the outcome they are looking for. Got it. A sense of security and confidence are perhaps the greatest benefits we get emotionally from superstitious thinking or behavior, like carrying an object or wearing an item of clothing that you deem to be lucky. Mm-hmm. There may be a positive placebo effect. If you, right. if you think something will help you, it may just do that. There is a tremendous amount of power in belief when your performance is a key factor in an outcome. Superstitious yeah. thinking might give you an extra boost. It's like when I wear my lucky assless chaps to the gay bar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> no, those will give you a boost. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. It's like, uh, you know, they're lucky in that I get lots of attention when I do it. Yep. Mm-hmm. If you've done well before, when you had a particular shirt on, it might prove wise to wear the shirt again, if it helps to relieve anxiety and promotes positive thoughts. Mm-hmm. But this way of thinking can also hinder your performance. For example, if you lose your lucky object. Oh. Right? Mm-hmm. Fearful superstitions can also interfere with our lives and cause a lot of anxiety. For example, people who are afraid of Friday the 13th might change travel arrangements or skip an appointment because of unnecessary anxiety. Mm-hmm. These types of superstitions offer no benefit. 
Yeah, nothing bad has ever happened to me on Friday the 13th because I carry my lucky handgun with me. Mm-hmm. Right? I see. You know, and just like every every hour, I just shoot it twice in the air. <laughs> it staves off all the Friday the 13th bad luck demons. And Jason Voorhees. <laughs> yeah. So what and are Canada you? Canada geese. They keep like falling from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so lucky for them. Yeah. So what are your superstitions? Do you avoid having your photo taken because it will steal your soul? No. Do you carry a talisman protect you against the evil eye? No. Although I do know some people who don't like their picture taken, but I think it's just because they think they have two chins or something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they that's think not they superstition. Look yeah. I know lots of people like that. Yeah. Do you forward chain letters? No. No. Ugh. Oh, I hate it when people. Yeah. Uh, it's it's bad enough when somebody forwards you like a chain letter or a chain thing on Facebook and like pass it on to all your friends and do and make sure to like copy include me in it so I know you've done it. And blah blah. But the even worse is when. People, has anybody ever done this? Where they do a follow up and like, hey, why didn't you do that thing? Right. Oh, I've never had that, and that's never happened to me either. Oh, I don't get that because I'm a dick online about it. That's this is the advantage to being a loudmouth dick is nobody, nobody tries to engage me on not playing along with that stupid shit. I don't understand what anybody hopes to ever get out of chain uh, chain letter. Like I remember being exposed to chain letter when I was in elementary school. Like somebody. Some other kid was like, oh, take this and mail it out and blah, 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 and send it to like 20 people that you know. And I remember looking at it going, what is the point? There's no point to this. Yeah. uh, Well, the answers are like, well, it doesn't really hurt. Yeah, uh, but which I, is you know fair enough. I get a hand cramp from writing a letter. <laughs> no, but I went back to this kid at the time. And was like, I don't understand what you expect to get out of this. He's like, well, if you send 20 people, we'll both get good luck. That's literally what his answer right, was. Right. I'm like. What? <laughs> this makes no sense. Yeah. So you don't believe in karma? I do not believe in karma. Right. Not as a balancing force of the universe. Yeah. I totally do believe that in a social aspect, that being if good you to punch other someone might somebody might punch you. Yeah, yeah, and being good to other people <laughs> generally creates a better atmosphere around you of people who want to be good to you back. Uh, so I believe I be- a little bit in that, that, and I believe a little bit more in what goes around comes around. That's also that's karma. In, you be a dick to me, I'm going to be a dick back to you. I, I, right. That's that's the other side of karma. I believe in that too. Yeah. Well, that's not that's not necessarily karma. Karma is like you say a leveling of the universe. This is you're a dick to me. I will get my revenge on you eventually. Social karma. Social karma. Precisely. Do you avoid talking about something because uh, you don't want to jinx it? Uh, no. I mean, I don't believe it, but I engage in it. Ah. I, I I do it as a joke though. Yeah, I that's that is a thing where I recognize my propensity for superstition. Yeah. But if I bring it up, I will always like make a joke about the superstition like, yeah. oh, now that I've talked about it, it'll never happen. Yes, exactly. That's, that's exactly. But it. that's not true. Like yeah, no, I, I don't, don't actually believe that to be true. I don't believe true. it, but I do use it in jest. Yeah. Because other people do believe it. And it's obvious that they believe it. And also because our brains are so good at recognizing the times that it's true, yeah. right? Like you you ignore all the times it's not true. You Your brain just forgets every single time that you talk about something and it's fine and it happens. But those few times when it doesn't, you're like, oh, look at that. That's the time it happened. And that's, that's a cognitive bias, right? Well, this actually, I have a direct anecdotal experience. I had a, uh, a movie where we, we were um, trying to engage an actor. And uh, I said, I came into work in the morning and said to my business partner, like, well, we should be getting the contract from that actor in today. And then that actor backed out of the movie and it created a little mini crisis. And my partner looked at me and went, you, you did jinxed this. it. You jinxed, jinxed it. Because you didn't knock it. on wood. Yeah. <laughs> when you said that. Yes. No. It, uh, so I had, and I told him that I thought that was ridiculous. Right. So. Yeah. And then you were fired. 
passed over for promotion, but you know, mm-hmm. close enough. Do you knock on the roof of a car when you go through a yellow light? Uh, I've never even heard of that one, but I have heard about knocking the roof of a car when you go over train tracks. <laughs> oh, see, what I've heard is you lift your legs up when you go over train tracks oh, when you're driving. I don't oh. do either of those. No, I don't do any of them either. Do you hold your breath when you drive by a graveyard? No. Nope. Do you have any lucky clothes, any lucky shirts, or any kind of lucky little I have some shirts that when I wear them, people go, that shirt's fucking awesome. So when I want that, I do wear them. When you want people to say that your shirt is awesome, you wear the awesome shirt? Oh my God. My my Technicolor Rex shirt, man, Chris Cluey came down off the stage to tell Mm -hmm. me how great my shirt was. I have a jacket where like three different times that I've worn it, I've made out with a special lady friend. There you so go. It's, it's like my, Kramer's jacket. It's my lucky jacket. Three in a times. That's sense. like half the time you've done it in your life. Yeah. That jacket must actually have powers. It's a high percentile, uh, you know, article of clothing. Do you not let other gamers touch your dice? No, I'm totally fine with sharing my dice. Uh, I've I haven't I haven't rolled dice in the performance <laughs> of a game in so long that I can't even say what. Really? You haven't role played in like so long? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that's... I mean, I role-played at Torrance in that, uh, you know, H.P. Lovecraft-inspired game, but there was no dice involved The in that. shell oh. Ahib Roach. Yeah, yeah, it was... There was no dice. It was, was just... There? It was no, storytelling. Yeah. It was pure storytelling, and then you got points based on your stories. Do you refuse to sleep with a fan on while you sleep? Do I refuse uh, to f- sleep with a fan of caustic soda? Do you- no, I do not. <laughs> no, I do not, Torn. I have no superstition about that whatsoever. Do you refuse? I have, I have, a, I have a steady supply of penicillin, too, so don't worry about that. Condomless. Let's okay, go for it. Okay, all right, good. Uh-huh. Do you refuse to sleep with a fan on for fear you will die? No. No. That is a big one in Korea. South yeah. Korea, yeah. So weird. Yeah, we talked about that in our Lost at Sea episode because the couple that had been rescued by the Korean boat, Mm -hmm. they were totally overheating and the captain refused to to let them have a fan in their room because he thought it would kill them while they slept. Harmful superstition. Yeah. (laughs) So crazy. So all that stuff is magical thinking. Harmful. uh, Uh Not not necessarily harmful superstitions, but superstitions. Mm -hmm. Being superstitious is something we often learn as children. Yep. Older folks are less likely to believe in superstitions. Except until you, get, until you go super old and then it comes full circle. It when you start that going way. senile, yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, there you go. Superstition provides the illusion of increased control over one's life. More articles on superstition appear in magazines and newspapers when a country is experiencing economic downturn and depression. Yeah, you're looking for reasons for everything to be mm-hmm. down. And if you can find a reason to blame it on, then you can move on. Yeah. Yeah. Researchers found that Israelis living in the areas most prone to be attacked by missile during the first Gulf War in 1991 became much more superstitious than people living in areas less likely to be attacked. Oh, like if I knock on wood, I won't get hit by a missile today? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now we come to harmful superstition or not harmful superstition? Oh, okay. Okay. All right. There's no wrong answers. Okay. (laughs) I just want to kind of want to gauge your your opinions. Get a, a temperature in the room. Uh, in Brazil, and this is kind of around the world. We'll go around the world. Oh, okay. With superstitions. Okay. With superstitions. Right. Uh, Brazil. The, should I sing the uh, Daft Punk song? Joe's not joining in. He's not a team player. I'm not a Daft Punk fan. I, don't, I couldn't help you. I would just ruin it. Great video. Great video. Brazil, showering after a meal can kill you. That's the superstition. Harmful or not uh, harmful? Well, it's not harmful. It's just stinky. 
If you eat and are then covered in caustic chemicals, that could be very dangerous right. because you would be like, I'm not going to shower those caustic chemicals off because that will kill me. Well, yeah. don't 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 eat caustic chemicals, I guess, is the lesson we learned in that one. Well, don't eat in uh, chemical factories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's good advice. Got it. In Brazil. Uh-huh. Romania. Baby's nails should never be cut until the age of one or else he will become a thief. Uh, oh, okay. One I need year. to know how much a baby's nails grow in that first year. I have no idea. But even if they get like even remotely warm, there's like there's gonna be some scratching going on. Yeah. It's themselves and boobies. I can be scratching so, yeah. boobies. Babies love to scratch themselves. Do they? Oh, yeah. I don't, this is so, I've learned from people who have babies. This is definitely potentially a harmful one. Because you could like irritate so. it and it could get infected and all the rest of that jazz, especially because like they're pooping in their diapers and whatnot. You're definitely setting yourself up for a, a oh, problem. Oh yeah, you don't want to get poop under those fingernails. That's just yeah. No, I'm you saying gotta... you scratch, you scratch yourself, and then poop gets in it. That's no good. I that's, would like to right. see. I would like to see a baby who has not had their nails cut and see if they get so long they turn into those little curly, those big long curly nails. No, that, I like, think that crazy takes more than a year. I think that takes more than a year. Have. You're gonna have to have a kid. Okay, this will be Raise the experiment. It. We're going to need a volunteer. Have to undo that operation I had. No, but you know what's going to happen is like if you let your kid's nails grow, they're going to see that long pinky and think that your kid has a Coke problem. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe we can ask for a baby for the next Kickstarter. Oh, good uh, idea. Yeah. Uh, baby peddling. That'll the, the go caustic, well. The caustic baby. Uh-huh. Also in Romania, if you want to make a man fall in love with you, then make him eat a cake in which you introduced a piece of your fingernail. Ooh, uh, that could be bad if the piece is large enough. You could choke on it. Yeah, I would say if you ground it up and put it in as a powder. I I don't care. It's dumb, but it's not. Yeah, it's organic material. It's not like it's not like. Oh, if you want this man to fall in love with you, put you know arsenic uh, weapons grade plutonium in the in the cake and make him eat it. You will see the glow of his love (laughs) from inside. If you drop scissors, it means your boyfriend or girlfriend cheated on you. That is dangerous because you are now angry at somebody and there are scissors nearby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it, it only happens if you have the suspicion ahead of time and those, sister, those scissors drop on your boyfriend or girlfriend's private parts. Right. Mm-hmm. Germany. In, while, while snipping through the air. You know how they open and close sometimes as yeah. they fly through yeah, the yeah, air. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Of course, you could be holding scissors, walk into the room, and see your partner in, cheating on you and go, <gasps> and, and drop, drop the, the scissors, scissors, and then it would be true. Yeah. yeah. Not, Not a superstition. A superstition. Yeah. Not a superstition. Moving to Germany, Christmas Eve between 11 and 12 o'clock, all single girls wake up to learn whether or not they will marry in the next year. They take off all their clothes, stick their heads into the kitchen kettle, and watch the bubbling water. What? Like, by bubbling, do they mean boiling? Mm, doesn't say. I guess no. Just I guess probably take the lid off a kettle and look down and see, watch the boiling water. Oh, I thought yeah. By stick their head into, I thought like into the boiling water. Or it could be like you put your head into water and make bubbles. I don't know. So are you supposed to see the person you're going to marry in the bubbling water? This sounds like it would scald your face. That's all I can think of. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ask Doctor Nina about this after. Okay, yes, please do. After the show is over, maybe I'll do it in the break and we'll have an answer in the second half. If a stranger looks into the parlor. On a Monday morning, he will cause the husband to beat his wife. Stranger looks into the parlor on a Monday morning. You know, I don't even know what a parlor a husband is. To beef, beat his wife. It's like a yeah. front room. It's a room. talking room. It's yeah. a room for talking. Oh, parlay. Parlay. Okay. I got yeah. you. That is, what country is that one from? Germany, I believe. Huh. Don't let strangers in your house. Otherwise, your beatings might come down on I, you. I think that's dangerous because uh, a husband might see that happen and think, well, now I got it. Now I got it. Yeah. See, I think it goes the other way around. I beat my wife. Because I saw a stranger look into my parlor on a Monday morning. Oh, oh! you know what this is? This is another one of these cheating ones. 
It's yeah. like, what's that stranger doing in my parlor? My wife must be having a little uh, uh, something going on. Yeah. Bada bing, bada boom. Of course, the way that he looked into the room was behind the drapes where you could only see his feet at the bottom. <laughs> For as long as the food continues to boil or simmer on the table, the cook will be beaten by her husband. What? So, so oh, it's of- on the table. Yeah, so you take it off of the stove and then you put it on the table and the if juice it's still continues boiling, to bubble. If it bubbles for a minute, then there's a minute. The cook will be beaten by her husband for a minute. It's a terrible but now, superstition. The, what, which part is the superstition part? Like, are they trying to stop it from bubbling? Is it? Oh, I have to beat you for a minute for it to stop bubbling. No, Otherwise I don't. No, I don't. I don't think that's the case. Or is it just you know? Uh, uh, this is. I need to do this in order to stave off bad luck. Like, what's the beating for? <laughs> I think the beating is unrelated. Oh, sometime in the future. So if this woman the cook will be beaten for a minute, so because this, this, of this thing happened this cook earlier on, cooks it, puts it on the table, watches it bubble for a minute, and like, oh no, yeah, I got a beating coming for a minute, yeah. sometime down the road. I should have not put it on the table so quickly. This is less superstition and more fortune telling. Well, kind of the same thing. Oh, is mm-hmm. it okay. magical thinking? Mm-hmm. A pregnant woman, after doing the wash, should immediately turn over the tub she used, and she will have an easy delivery. So she's washing. She finishes washing, she turns the tub over, and she will have an easy delivery. What if you wash in like a modern washing machine? Do you have Those to try and flip heavy. you have to try and flip that washing machine every time? Okay. Yes, I'm gonna say yes. That's gonna like induce labor. That's gonna make it not easy. That's gonna have a harmful effect. That is a harmful superstition. It's right gonna there. have a miscarriage. Is yeah. that why drying machines these days all tumble? Yeah. So that so they are, all the, the clothes get turned upside. over and it's so you don't even right know what upside upside side is upside, upside down. down. Upside down. There's no right side up or upside down with mm-hmm. this machine. That's right. It's a gyroscope. No need to turn the tub over. It turns itself over. A woman may not enter a stranger's house for six weeks following the birth of her child. If she does so, she should first buy something in another village or she will bring misfortune into the house. Into the house that she's going into, the stranger's yes. house. Yeah. That, <laughs> that really puts a crimp on visiting people to show off the baby. But this is a not harmful superstition because it keeps the economy going. Right. This is a positive. That's true, this but not a, the local economy. No. No. no the, uh, well, a stranger's economy, uh, another village's economy. But, you know, as many people from your village that are buying things in that other village, those <laughs> villagers are coming over and buying Unless they don't have that too. superstition. Listen, when, yeah. you're not, when you're not buying locally, you're damaging the environment. Mm-hmm. All that extra traveling, this is a bad superstition. There you go. Mm, harmful in, in carbon footprint. Although maybe the internet will help. The other village could be Amazon.com. Ah, I see. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm staving off uh, misfortune constantly. When you see a child's first tooth, immediately slap his face and he will teethe easier. That is a harmful superstition. <laughs> that is unnecessary slapping. Like, children don't have it bad enough with the teething. Yeah. Do you know what this is? This is just a like dark ages version of, oh, your foot hurts? I'm going to punch you in the stomach so right. you forget about it. Oh, yeah. your tooth hurts? Oh, you know I'm going to make it easier? I'm going to slap you upside the head so you forget about your aching mouth. Yeah, let me show you what real pain is. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't like You it. want something to cry about? I'll give I'll you something to cry about. about. Now stop that crying. <laughs> Moving to England. In medieval England, expectant mothers would prepare what is known as groaning cheese. Ugh. <laughs> uh, uh. You know what that I is? Don't know why. I don't Here's, know what it is yet, but it's gross. Here's how you prepare groaning cheese and why it's called groaning cheese. Uh-huh. Because you put it in between like a cheesecloth and then you have sex on top of it and the churning creates the cheese. Oh. Groaning cheese. Isn't that, oh, wouldn't I that see. be moaning cheese though? Yeah, growing I mean, cheese well, is when you put a uh, someone who's dying of. of uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess it's. I guess when it's sex with you, it's groaning. Oh, <laughs> when is this over? <sighs> uh, 
Oh, God, Kevin. Oh, this is not much fun at all. Mm-hmm. Essentially, a large wheel of cheese that was left to mature for the full nine months, mm-hmm. after which she and the family would dine on this and nothing else, leaving only the outer rind. Oh, this is why it's called growing cheese, because you just they're all lactose intolerant, <laughs> yes. and they all just had like a just 10 pounds of cheese yeah. each, and now they're going to groan for the next week trying to evacuate themselves. The ritual dictates that the baby would be passed through the rind on the day of their christening, blessing them with a long and prosperous life. Oh, so it'd be like a round yeah. thing and they eat from the middle and, okay. Yeah. Uh, Harm- so Harmful or not harmful? Uh, so now they're giving, she's sitting on the wheel of cheese with a hole in the middle to give birth? I don't know if she's giving birth through the rind or if you just take the baby no, after no, it's, it's born and then pass. No, yeah. no, the christening, yeah, is, the christening is well after. This oh. is not a birth thing. Okay. You don't, so you don't have to, to put a thing of cheese around the vagina while it's coming up. No, because you know what I was going to say. That would be bad. You'd get all sorts of uh, bacterial yeast infections, infections. Yeast infections and stuff, yeah. And cheese. not only that, you make this cheese probably a little inedible. Uh, well, it's just the rind at this point. Waste of cheese. You're not eating the rind. It's, yeah, okay. it's only the rind. Left. You did not having the child eat its way out. <laughs> <laughs> not a, I just got burned. Not have to eat through a block of cheese. So <laughs> We're giving all our to children world. diabetes right out of the gate. This is harmful if you are lactose intolerant. Mm-hmm. Not harmful <laughs> other than that. No, right. other than that, it's, cheese is good. Mm-hmm. Ireland. To cure a fever, place the person on the shore when the tide is coming in. When the tide begins to go back out, the retreating waves will carry away the disease and the fever. And their body after they drown. <laughs> yeah, Congratulations, no, you didn't die of the fever. No, this is the, the, the cure for this is because this person goes, no, I feel a lot better now. Because when the water's like up to the chin, <laughs> like, no, I feel great. I don't have a fever anymore. I don't know what you're talking about. This is, uh, yeah. I'm totally cool to walk back to my hut and, uh, you know not be feverish any longer it's another example of you want to see feeling bad i'll show you feeling bad <laughs> yeah no i'm not here sweating comes, here comes the entire ocean i'm not sweating this is seawater on my face i uh, I, I don't have nervous flop sweats at all uh, but i'm not feverish whatsoever it's been taken out with the tide taken out with the tide uh, you know, can you pull me up now uh, india mm-hmm. during a solar eclipse people don't eat or cook food during the event any cooked food is considered to have become impure during the solar eclipse, and they are thrown away or given to beggars. Well, this is harmful, obviously, because because it feeds not... beggars, right? Oh, it's so terrible to no, I'm encourage saying, them. It's it's not a country that's known for plentiful food, so any sort of like potential food waste is mm. an issue. Yeah, I like the given to beggars part. Yeah, yeah. lucky, lucky, uh, good if not harmful if you're a beggar. But they only they they only have beggars because they have such a like tightly knit classist society. If I was a beggar, I would set up a I would set up a big huge fake uh, solar eclipse <laughs> device yeah. over houses. I'd just knock walk around do- to parties. Well, you, you just knock <laughs> on the door. Food. Excuse me, but I can. Uh, you're cooking some food. I'm wondering if I could have some. And all of a sudden, this big thing just blocks the sun. <laughs> oh, solar eclipse! <laughs> so, do you have any food? Yes, yes. Please take it all. <laughs> It would basically be the uh, scam. the bizarro bat signal. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah, in the, the shape of a wheel of cheese, obviously. I'm not the beggar that Mumbai needed mm-hmm. or wanted. It is considered inauspicious to give birth during a solar eclipse. Solar mm. eclipses are also said to cause miscarriage. You kind of don't really have a choice when you're giving birth, do you? I mean, I've never given birth. I think it's but... harmful because it could in- induce stress in the woman giving birth, which could then lead to harm in the, the child's health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, uh, it's not harmful in the way that, you know, there's no chance of your kid getting a sunburn when they're getting born. Right. Right. You know, so in that, that way. That is a danger. For, for those outdoor uh, birth ceremonies. Yep. 
Yeah, for the they've got one where they want the sun just like blazing right. They got the magnifying glass to focus it right down the vaginal canal. There are some reports of disabled children being buried neck deep in sand or mud in hopes of curing their disabilities during a solar eclipse. Okay, that's not going to be that's. I don't know if we can count that as harmful because I'm guessing they eventually dig them back up, but it is certainly not helpful. Well, because they're disabled, uh, being buried might be bad for them. Widows are considered inauspicious. Some consider it bad luck to see a widow first thing in the morning. Yeah, that's bad. And we mean black widow spider red is about to bite you? No, human widows. Oh, well, well, some of them can be called black widows. I wouldn't like to see a black widow in the morning. That probably means you're the next victim. <laughs> in fact, many are driven away by their husbands' families and uh, who want to prevent them from inheriting any property. Yeah. Uh, so this is a superstition created mm, yeah. uh, as a method to keep it in the family, so to speak. That will happen. I'm making believe that you're in my arms, though I know you're so far away. Making believe I'm talking to you Wish you could hear what I say And here in the gloom Of my lonely room We're dancing like we used to do Making believe Is just another way of dreaming So till my dreams come true I'll whisper goodnight, turn out the light and kiss my pillow, making believe it's you. I'm making believe that you're in my arms, though I know you're so far away. Making believe I'm talking to you. Wish you could hear what I say. And here in the gloom of my lonely room, we're dancing like we used to do. Making believe is just another way of dreaming. So till my dreams come true I'll whisper goodnight Turn out the light and kiss my pillow Making believe it's you like we used to do Making believe is just another way of dreaming So till my dreams come true I'll whisper goodnight Turn out the light and kiss my pillow 
Making believe it's you. Superstitions in Africa. Oh, they have superstitions there? I can't believe it. Yeah, we got superstitions the world mm, over. That's true. During the That's colo- why they're called super, not regular stitions. <laughs> <laughs> During the colonial period, the British created a superstition among the Swana people that said that education makes people crazy. Oh. Oh. Okay, so they- Well, s- studying for exams certainly <laughs> makes me crazy. Uh-huh. So they did it because they wanted the local populace to lack education. I guess so, It would yeah. be easier to colonize. That, and also maybe they wouldn't demand that they spend money on bringing in- people to teach them that they mm-hmm. could just leave them the way they were I, I don't i can't pretend to know why the british would do it mm-hmm. because of the superstition created and perpetrated by the british the swana people of botswana never allowed their children to go to school mm-hmm. so it worked yeah. among the kalanga people of botswana there's a belief that if a girl eats eggs and certain parts of meat fish or chicken they are eating their children Ooh. and would never have children in their adult lives oh my god what yeah this superstition is said to have been created by kalanga men because they like to eat eggs and meat and did not want to share them with women got it what a bunch of jerks oh so basically we also have to come up with something that we don't want to happen and then create a superstition to maintain it oh it's unlucky it's unlucky to not give me a million dollars that's right that's right how about this one oh if you believe in ridiculous superstitions you're gonna have bad luck your whole life Uh uh-huh or, uh, there you go. World fixed. Ding, ding. Uh, this superstition has persisted to modern times, and sometimes it's very difficult to convince girls who have never had children to eat eggs or certain parts of meat. Can you imagine not knowing yeah. what it tastes, what an egg tastes like until you've had a kid? Well, no, you can have an egg. You just can't have egg and meat. <laughs> no, no, it's eggs or eggs and, or meat. And, yeah, not together. Just you can't eat eggs. You can't eat meat. Certain parts of meat. Yeah. Oh. In some communities, so the like, belie- the, what, the, like the sirloin and the tenderloin and the you know all the good parts. You could have beak and feet. Yeah, <laughs> probably. You could have, have the awful. Yeah. Yeah. In some communities, this belief in this superstition was so serious that girls were being malnourished because they were only eating vegetables. Mm, that is harmful. harmful. <laughs> uh, there are also many misleading superstitions among African communities that practice female genital mutilation. Right. Oh, I hate these guys. One of the superstitions is that girls who have not been mutilated will never have children, or that at childbirth, the uncut girl's baby will die upon touching the skin that should have been cut. Right. This if you've makes... got regular vagina, when your baby comes out, it'll die. That's right. So before they invented things that could cut up vaginas, humans never had babies. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> makes no not. fucking sense. Uh, well, when you keep them uneducated. Yeah. You know? When you don't let them know that there are people in other parts of the world who don't chop up their genitals and they still have babies, no probs. Yeah. Also, there's a superstition that if a man has sex with a girl who has not been mutilated, he will die. Oh. Now, I'd like to point Uh out that this is true, but only because we're all going to die. Yes. And you're not going to die because of that. Yeah. It's like, oh, no, I had sex with a girl who, was, uh, who wasn't uh, female circumcised. I'm totally going to die in like 50 or 60 years. <laughs> Eventually. Yeah. These superstitions were created for the purpose of putting fear into the girls so that they would be happy to undergo the mutilation. Mm-hmm. These superstitions are deeply entrenched in communities that practice female genital mutilation and make the eradication of it very difficult. Yeah, because, of course, then you have you have both sides of the equation, the people performing it and the people who are supposed to get it. They're actually kind of like clamoring to get it. Yeah. Because like, well, if I don't get it, then no one can have sex with me and live. 
Yeah. Ooh, but what if they, you know, what if they were one of these Black Widow types? Right. They're like, oh, right. yeah, I'm not getting mutilated. I'm going to take them all out for And the then they're disappointed money. when nobody dies after they have sex with you them. You know what the problem is? The insurance companies in those little villages, uh, <laughs> they uh, they always like, they're like, hey, they weren't, you weren't mutilated, so we don't uh, pay out life insurance under these conditions. Brutal. Mm-hmm. 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 Unlucky numbers. Let's talk about them. 13, 13, 13, and 13? One well, is my unluckiest number. Is, oh. mm. Well, 69 is definitely not an unlucky number. <laughs> I, because I of, of sex. Some, I could think of some unlucky examples. Of 69s? Yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. 13 is significant to Christians because it is the number of people who were present at the Last Supper. Oh, okay. Judas, so that's why we believe in 13 is an unlucky number? That's what the internet tells me. Leave uh, it to Christians to base it on a party. And Friday the 13th is because the Last Supper was on a Friday? Uh, we'll get to the Friday the 13th later. Okay. All right. Because Jason killed everybody on that day. Judas, the apostle who betrayed Jesus, was the 13th member of the party to arrive. Yep. Many American buildings greater than 13 stories tall will refer to the 13th floor as anything except the 13th floor. 12A, mm-hmm. 14A. Uh, mm-hmm. Skipping straight from 12 to 14. Mm-hmm. You name it. That, yep. A fairly common one in really large buildings is to have the 13th floor be a maintenance or mechanical floor. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I, if you're going to have a maintenance or mechanical floor, sure. Because, like, you have to take people's stupid superstitions into account. Like, if you're going to not be able to rent out your 13th floor or if it's going to rent out for less or something like that, you might as well put that floor. Well, and it, if you have a 26th floor building, you know, the 13th floor to make your maintenance floor, it kind of makes sense because yeah, then it's right no more than 13 floors away from where it needs to be. There you go. Mm-hmm. All buildings should be 26 floors that don't have a 13th floor. A nationwide survey was conducted by asking estate agents whether people were resistant to buying houses number 13. 40% of agents replied that there was a considerable resistance mm-hmm. and that this often resulted in sellers having to lower their prices. Well, so you if you want a cheap house, buy 13, 13th Street. I will yeah. totally take it. If you want to sell that house later. Don't care. Don't do that. Change the number. Just change the numbers on the front of the building. Some airlines omit the row number 13. George mm-hmm. Carlin joked about how he'd been on an airplane that didn't have rows number 13. He said that knowing that the airplane's designers had been so superstitious that they thought that might save someone's <laughs> life didn't make him feel all that safer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, it's... It's not necessarily that, though, that they're superstitious, but like I said, they're taking into account that... Right. They recognize people, the superstition. They recognize people. people are going to be superstition. It's just going to be better to deal with it. In Chinese and languages that borrow from it, the words for four and death, though written differently, are pronounced similarly. Mm-hmm. Someone like C in Man... Somewhat like C in Mandarin... Say... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to avoid that sentence altogether. Yeah. Thus, four is considered unlucky and unfavorable. Mm-hmm. Yep. I had a, uh, I lived in a building, um, a house when I was in university, and it was, we had six bedrooms, a lot of uh, college students in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the owners, uh, there was a four in the address, and they petitioned to get it changed from the city, and they succeeded. So, like, right. halfway through, it went from, oh, like, yeah. I forget what the number was. It was, like, 2749 or something, mm-hmm. and they got it changed to, like, 2739. And when because I was, it, it, there was the room that, you know, yeah. they're not, mm-hmm. you know, one right after the other. They're on the two houses on either side, it was right. still in between those things. So they got they successfully had it changed to get the four out of the, out of the address. I have a similar story because when I was taking Mandarin courses, the uh-huh. instructor mentioned that she had her house number changed. 
and she paid the $700 you had to pay to the city to change your, your address. Yeah. Oh, wow. The city must just love the superstition. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, you want to change your number? Uh, that'll be uh, $700 and you got to fill out a form. No, no. Here's the irony. Hmm. If it originally had been four hundred dollars, four hundred forty-four dollars oh, yeah. to, to pay four hundred forty-four dollars. Well, <laughs> we've got two. We've got two ways we can do it. There's the the cheap way, which is four hundred forty-four dollars, <laughs> or we can charge you the seven hundred for the expedited. But you know, it's totally up to you. I'll pay seven hundred. Asian works of media tend to treat the number the same way Western writers treat the number thirteen. Hmm. Many Japanese will not travel on the fourth day of the month. Mm-hmm. Chinese and Japanese inpatients may be more reluctant to be discharged on the fourth day of the month, meaning hospitals spend millions delaying discharge dates. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or you rush them on a day early. <laughs> just like also these, dangerous. All yeah. these semi-conscious people, you just stick them in a wheelchair and just throw them, like just open the door. One more for the shoot. That has really got to suck that it's a single digit, though. Like, do you not leave the building at 134 mm-hmm. or 140 or 141? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know it's how that works. Just, yeah. Maybe some of our Chinese listeners can fill us in. Mm-hmm. In Hong Kong, floor numbers with the number four are all skipped together in some newer buildings. So like 4, 14, 24, 44, 41, 42, they eliminate all maybe, those numbers? Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes floors and elevator buttons will be listed as, uh, with F's or with three A's. So like one, two, three, F five, five, okay. right. Or one, two, three, three, A five common in Vancouver and Toronto, owing to the large Chinese population, the combination of Eastern and Western superstitions means that it's not unheard of for floor numbers in apartment buildings to jump from 12 to 15, missing both 13 and, and 14. 14. <laughs> mm. Richmond Hill, Ontario's city council has banned new street numbers with the number four. The area is known to have a large Chinese-Canadian community. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it's all kind of arbitrary anyway. So, you know, I mean, we can name yeah. any street what we want. So yeah. why don't we just not name it with a four so you, you don't get... Right. Because really, truly, I mean, bureaucrats, all they really care about is not making their jobs any harder yeah. than, than, you know, not necessarily that hard, but like creating any difficulty for them whatsoever right. is like, that's the holy water to the vampire for them. <laughs> uh-huh. So, you know, like well, we can put the street sign up and call it 14th street, but then all of the traditional Chinese occupants of those buildings will come down here and just start a letter writing <laughs> campaign yeah. and they will call us constantly <laughs> asking to get changed. So, Screw it. Let's just call it Main Street or Broadway yeah, or something like that. Yeah, let's just call it, you know, mm-hmm. Happy Lucky Chinese Numerology Day Street. <laughs> I like that one, yeah. too. It's one of those things that's ridiculous, but, like, there's no better option. Like, it, it really is just the easier thing to just go, yep, fine, let's mm-hmm. not name it this way, even though it's silly. Yep, because it's just a, more of a hassle yep. to name it the other way and then have to change it later anyway. Yep. Bureaucrats, gotta love them. 1961, Pennsylvania. John Harry Bruno believed that an Italian elderly couple who years before had lived in the Norristown neighborhood he grew up in had the power to put an evil eye curse on his family. Mm. He showed up at their home and shot each of them multiple times, more than once in the heads and also in other parts of the bodies. What kind of voice does John Harry Bruno have? John Harry Bruno? Uh, make him Russian because Bruno makes me think of that bear in that, Bruno, uh, Bruno the acrobatic bear in, uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoon. I did not enjoy the shootings one bit. I did it for my mother to free her from the evil eyed curse. I did it to improve the mental condition of my mother. That was the real motive. 
So is he claiming that he doesn't actually believe in the superstition? He just did it because his mom did? Yes. It's, they, this is the example of the bureaucrats going, well, what are you going to do? They believe in the four, so we're going to change the thing. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? My mom is having all these problems because she believes in the evil eye, so mm. I'm going to go shoot these people Maybe. to fix it. Bruno murdered a total of five people before he was caught wow. in 1966. That's so, a lot of evil eyes. That's he, 10 evil eyes. Yeah, he'd killed people uh, from between 1961 and 1966 because yep. of the evil eye curse. That his mother... This is a real psycho situation. He's the... He's the, the Norman. He's the tool. He's the Norman to right. his mother mm. in this... Mad old lady put the evil eye... You know what? His mom's got the evil eye. Everybody that she laid her eye on, she didn't like, you know... Got eviled out of existence. Eviled out of existence. 1968, in New South Wales, Australia. Paolo Falcone believed he was the victim of the evil eye from Mrs. Miriam Mordo. That totally sounds like supervillain. Yeah. Her name Mordo. is some Mrs. Miriam Mordo. Mm-hmm. It's a Marvel supervillain. Totally. It sounds like a, a Doctor a Strange DC enemy. One. They're the ones who do all the alliteration. No, this is a Doctor Strange enemy for sure. There is Baron Mordo in the Doctor Strange. There you show. go. Yeah. Uh, That's his mom. Paulo Falcone hired men to plant a bomb in her car, which ultimately caused her death. Right. There you go. I guess you can't use evil eyes on bombs. If somebody comes at you with a knife, you can evil eye them into submission. Maybe. But a bomb. A bomb isn't going to... You can't evil eye a bomb. Doesn't have eyes to evil eye, too. Nope. I do... I did find on uh, various websites that, uh, that, you know, people still believe the evil eye is real and can affect your organs or kill a person or make a camel sick or whatever. And what can you can you if you've done enough research on this, looking at these websites, can you just tell you how to do the evil eye? eye? I can give you the stink eye, but I think there's a there might be a separation. Well, I mean, you stink, yes, but the stink eye. (laughs) Why would you say that? Hold on, let me try. Let me try my stink eye. (laughs) That's a stink eye. Now try your evil eye. Yeah, it's a glower. You got the glower power. Ah, yeah. yeah the glower. Yeah. Uh-huh. What about you, Tom? What's your evil eye look like? <laughs> just my normal look. I just, <laughs> just don't stop so, looking at you. That's the not very evil eye. I'm looking at you right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And it's not evil. I feel no... I feel I feel nothing. Do you feel less lucky? Not at all. Mm. Not one bit. I'm going to work on it some more. Okay. Now, we talked about this uh, in our funerals episode, but I wanted to bring it back. Okay. This is Sati the funeral practice within some Asian communities in which a recently widowed woman immolates herself typically on the husband's funeral pyre. Yes. Yeah, we did talk about this in funerals. This is awful. And then sometimes when a woman refuses to immolate herself, uh, the husband's family will throw her on the fire. Yes. Uh Having made the holy vow to burn herself transforms the woman to sativrata, a transitional stage between the living and the dead prior to her ascending the funeral pyre. Okay. Once a woman committed herself to become sati, Popular belief thought her to become endowed with many supernatural powers. Oh, like the ability to get burned supernaturally. <laughs> Boss, quite possibly. Yeah, like they'll go up a little bit faster than were you just regular flesh and bone. The sati would gain the powers of prophecy and clairvoyance, in fact. Oh, okay. So this woman says, I'm going to throw myself on the funeral pyre. And then somebody says, okay, give me the lotto numbers. Right. <laughs> right. As well as the ability to bless women with sons who had not born who had not born sons before. Give me the lotto numbers. And by the way, thanks for doing this, killing yourself so that I can get them. Yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. The gifts from Sati Sati were venerated as valuable relics, and in her journey to the pyre, people would seek to touch her garments in order to benefit from her power. 
Uh-huh. If you kill yourself and remove yourself from uh, getting all of your husband's stuff so that we can get it, we'll treat you really good for a while. Right. Yeah, once you're gone. No, this is well, when, in, in on, on her way to being... In between when you vow that you'll do this and you actually get burned to death. Yep. Right, but this, but not so good. Like It's not like you know the uh, the old uh, Aztecs treating that kid that they're no, going to leave on like top for like a king. Or anything. Yeah, no. no, there's nothing like that. There's more like, hey, nice job. Way to go. High fives. <laughs> We're venerating you right now. Yeah, I'm gonna. this thing that you gave me five years ago is totally going to be like a lucky charm now for me. Oh, how does it help you? Oh, it doesn't. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, that fire extinguisher you gave me would be a lucky charm for you, but uh, it's holy relic now. I got to keep Oh, maybe it's from our hate crimes episode, the hate extinguisher. Ooh. comes a hate extinguisher. That's terrible. Puppies and bunnies and kittens. Oh, my. The Prevention of Sati Act makes it illegal to support, glorify, or attempt to commit sati. Mm-hmm. Support of sati, including coercion or forcing someone to commit sati, can be punished by death sentence mm-hmm. or life imprisonment, while glorifying sati is punishable with one to seven years in prison. Okay. So that's good. So they've, they've come up with laws to keep this from happening, yes. but it still happens a bit. Enforcement of these measures is not always consistent. Right. right. Got it. Um, the National Council for Women has suggested amendments to the law to remove some of these flaws. So, guess when the Sati Act was put into effect? Who wants oh, to take man. a stab at that? 1992. Yeah, I'm thinking around the same. I'm going to go with, with 1990. Well, you guys are very close. 1987. Oh. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, no, in the uh, not-too-distant past. And call back to our human sacrifice episode. Uh-huh. Although human sacrifices are not prevalent in India, rare isolated incidents happen occasionally, especially Mm -hmm. in rural areas. The beliefs behind these sacrifices vary from inducing rainfall to helping childless women conceive. Got it. Mm. It is alleged that often cases go unreported or are covered up. But here's a few. Okay. A few short ones. A handful. 2006 in... Uttar Pradesh, Uttar Pradesh state, a boy was kidnapped, mutilated, and killed by a woman and her two sons to cure her nightmares and visions. Oh. She had mm. been advised to do so by a tantric or witch doctor. So a witch doctor said, grab a boy, torture, and kill him, and it will cure your nightmares. Yeah. See, that seems like the kind of thing that might give you more nightmares. The opposite yeah. effect would happen. But yeah. maybe not if you're a sociopath. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Or a true believer. Was, maybe it's fantasy fulfillment. 2009 in Maharashtra, Maharashtra, a childless couple were advised by a tantric to sacrifice 11 children, which would allow them to conceive. In a four-month period, the couple managed to kill five children by poisoning before they were discovered and arrested. A sixth child survived the poison. Wow. So really what we need to do is take out these tantrics. Yeah, possibly get rid of the witch doctors. The witch doctors might be the root of the problem. Or here. encourage adoption. Like those were 11 kids that they could have uh, adopted and taken instead care of, of or, for crying out loud. Instead of killing children, just grab one and take it and then raise it as your own. Yeah. yeah well, surely, surely one of the ones that they killed didn't have parents. I'm like that, that Wouldn't that be the easier ones to After kill? After they killed their parents, yeah. Oh, there you go. So you kill know, some parents and then adopt. You know what you it's, do? It's the good and the bad gets balanced out. You put an end to this tantric That's scourge. Karma. Is like you set the the police set up a fake tantric, and his prescription always is, "Oh, whatever's bothering you, kill your local tantric." But not me. That's yeah. a good idea. But not me. In 2011, the mutilated body of a girl was found in Chhattisgarh. <laughs> Sounds like a Lord of the Rings place. She was suspected to have been killed under the belief that it would ensure a better harvest. Oh, better harvest. Well, I mean, if they left her in the field in that one spot for a bit, maybe. Oh, yeah. But other than that, no. Little fertilizer, a little fertilizer. Yeah. You know, mushrooms. They grow there. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. In the news. 2013, Pune, India. Pune. Possibly Pune. I don't know. Or uh, they just misspelled it and it was originally Prune for prune, after yes. their harvest. Prune, India. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks to Ke- Corey. Thanks to our researcher, Corey, for this. Yep. Mm-hmm. A prominent campaigner against religious superstition has been shot and killed while out for a morning walk. Mm, shot by religion? <laughs> the, the big bullet, of, oh God. Yeah, that's right. It came down from the... <laughs> forensics uh, confirmed that it uh, came from the hand of God. Dr. Narendra Dabholkar was at the forefront of a long-running campaign to ban superstitious practices by mm-hmm. getting the state of Maharashtra to pass an anti-black magic bill. He died after being shot by two gunmen riding a motorcycle. What year was this? Uh, 2013. <laughs> they still haven't passed their anti-black magic law in 2013? Nope. What really bugs me is that they didn't kill him with a fireball or a curse. Right. Yes. Like, <laughs> they, they didn't even ride by in a fucking unicorn. Yeah. They rode in a motorcycle, two gunmen, and they shot him. Yeah, like, well, you know what happened is that they'd probably ridden past him like 40 times already going, you know, evil eye, evil eye, blah, blah, blah. Why is he still alive? And then they kept coming back and their bosses were like, hey, what the fuck, dude? Like, we sent you out to take that guy out. I'm throwing all the black magic I got at this guy. Right. And they're like, well, we're going to have to just be, put a curse on one of these bullets he and must, then send it <laughs> yes, his way. Yes, yes. He, he must have some kind of anti-black magic thing because he's yeah. trying to pass the bill. We're going to put the whammy on the bullet. Yeah. Four shots were fired at Dabulkar from close range as the rider slowed behind him on a bridge near a temple. The killers have not yet been identified. Mm. Dabulkar, who was 67, had infuriated some extremist Hindus with his campaign to outlaw the religious practices of some ascetics. Many godmen, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. claimed to perform miracles so as to impress their devotees. They summon spirits, conjure up objects, provide talismans for curing ailments, walk on fire, and pierce their tongues with steel skewers. Dabulkar's anti-superstition organization, the Maharashtra Blind Faith Eradication Committee. Wow, that is, that is long. Wait, what's the uh, acronym? Mubfec. Mubfec. They are no good at this. M-B-F-E-C. Had offered a reward of 500,000 rupees. That's about probably about $10,000. Mm-hmm. To anyone claiming to be a spiritual diviner who could successfully summon spirits. So kind of like the James Randi challenge, for those mm-hmm. of you who are familiar with that. Yeah, the, uh, the debunking kind of thing. Yep. Yep. So uh, Vyaja Chauhan, an associate of Dabulkar, says, The best way to pay homage to a man who had been campaigning relentlessly for the past 18 years for a law against superstitious religious practices is to immediately pass the bill in the state legislative assembly. Yeah, if you can't turn your shooting death into a martyrdom, a martyrdom yeah. yeah, into like getting your lifelong mission accomplished, then there's not much of a point to it. Right-wing Hindu politicians in the state were strongly opposed to the bill, and even the ruling Congress party seemed to lack the political will to push ahead with the legislation. Yeah, because they didn't want to get shot neither. And besides, lobby- besides lobbying in the legislature, Double Car's group was involved in a school outreach program across Maharashtra, which seeks to encourage rational thought among students and expose religious charlatans. Dabulkar was qualified as a doctor, but gave up his profession to devote himself to the rationalist cause. He edited a weekly magazine and was closely associated with the founder of the Indian Rationalist Association, who had fl- who had to flee to Europe following death threats and blasphemy cases against right. him. Right. 2010, Mwanza, Tanzania. All right. Mariamu Stafford, a 28-year-old single mother from rural Tanzania with albinism. You know what? I'm Mwanza, no superstition in Tanzania. 
Ah, Mwanza, no superstition. That should have come like 15 seconds Yeah, but you didn't give me a break. (laughs) You didn't take a breath. You got to be faster. That should have come in an alternate timeline. (laughs) Well, do you want to start again or do you want to just move on? No, No, I do not want to start again. (laughs) Yeah. So so then just don't mention it. Just keep moving. (laughs) Survived a brutal attack by criminals wanting to sell the limbs of albinos on the black market. Albino limbs. In the middle of the night, a group of men stormed in and said, we are going to cut your arm off, and if you scream, we'll cut the other arm off. And then they started to chop my right arm off. And because I was screaming, they also started to do the same to the other. Oh, okay. So there is a superstition in Tanzania that the arms of albinos do what? After her attackers fled, it took six full hours for Stafford to get medical treatment, five months pregnant at the time. What? She lost both arms and her unborn child. Oh. Stafford was caught up in the grisly trade inspired by a renegade set of witch doctors. They claim potions made of the blood, skin, or bones of an albino can make people wealthy and bring good luck. All right, let's get together a group of mercenaries to go hunt these fuckers down and put them all in a mental institution where they belong. Since 2007, 57 Tanzanian albinos, including children, have been murdered by gangs of men who hack off arms, legs, or genitals. In 2010, there had been 66 confirmed attacks, but many more cases are believed to gone unreported. The country has one of the largest populations of albinos in the world, as many as 150,000, according to some estimates. Wow. And they are being targeted for their white skin. Why do they have so many albinos? That's kind of a strange little quirk of genetics, isn't it? Yeah. Many in Tanzania still live according to superstition. A person with albinism is referred to as ziru, a Swahili word that means vapor or ghost. Got it. Attackers' consciousness are eased by a pervasive belief that their victims cannot die physically since they are spirits to begin with, thought of as ghosts and bad omens. Then what are you cutting off? Officials say ignorance, prejudice, traditional beliefs, and poverty are behind the epidemic of albino killings. In a country where per capita income is $442 a year, the limb of a person with albinism can fetch... Guess uh, $443 <laughs> more than a year, yeah, 500 yeah. to $2,000. Yeah, the idea that the parts of albinos can bring wealth is a recent phenomenon. Some have been known to use human hair from albinos woven into fishing nets for good luck. Okay, which Dr. Jackson Canyarere said that. Uh, said the person who started this superstition wasn't even a witch doctor. He came up with the idea that an albino potion can make a person rich, so they started stealing body parts from the graves. When they ran out of graves, they decided that now we're going to hunt down live human beings. So it's basically, I mean, this could go to our quackery episode, and that potions made up mm-hmm. of parts of albino bodies is going yeah. to make you rich. It's just a, it's a money-making scheme. It's a venture. Prime Minister Mizengo Pinda put out a plea and assured anonymity to anyone who had come forward with information about the killings of albinos. To his surprise, people came out in hundreds. Mm-hmm. Tanzania has banned wish doctor's licenses and appointing a government representative with albinism, but the killings continue. In 2009, three men were sentenced to death by hanging for killing a teenage boy with albinism. This was the first prosecution since the murders began. Since then, six other individuals have been convicted in three different cases. Stafford says her attackers were caught the same day as the attack and arrested. Their mm-hmm. blood-stained clothing gave them away. No, I would say so. Yeah, when you're hacking off people's limbs, there's definitely going to be forensic evidence abounding. It's just about a matter of getting your hands on the people so you can, you know, prove it. And though she knew and identified one of her attackers as a neighbor, none have been brought to trial. 
that's got to have something to do with their legal system there, right? Like that can't, it's not for lack of evidence and, or whatnot. It just has to have something to do with, yeah. you know, the lack of capacity to bring it around. A Kenyan man was caught by police in an undercover sting trying to sell an albino man for $260,000. He pleaded guilty to human trafficking. Also in Swaziland, an 11-year-old girl with albinism was found beheaded and missing one of her arms. Uh. For Stafford, the simplest tasks are now impossible, and she can no longer take care of her son. Sometimes I cry because it's the same thing over and over again, waking up, sitting on the bench, and when I'm tired of sitting, I go and sleep. I miss the feeling of love of my child because I can't even carry or hug him anymore. That is a sad story. That, that is a real is sad story. The story said that they caught the guys the same day, right? Oh, if only it had been medically possible to like take the arms off of these guys and sew them back onto her. Mm. That would have been awesome. That was a sentence. But then if she'd only be... the courts could have worked fast enough that they could like have sentenced them to have their arms removed. Oh, and then how many was it? Five guys? And she could have had ten arms. She could have been like a real life Shiva. But then uh, she'd be hugging her child with the arms of the men who hacked hers off. Listen, better better arms of the men who hacked hers off than no arms at all. I don't know, man. At least then they have no arms. Oh, they'd be spite arms. They'd be worth it. Oh, I'd take the spite arms. Just, would you take the spite genitals, sir? <laughs> yes. Yes, okay. I would. You I would? would take spite. I'd take spite everything. I'd take limbs I didn't even need anymore. Like turn them into little like, you know, headless tor- uh, head 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 and torso. And I don't even it. need this. I'm just going to take it. Yeah, that's right. This, I could, I this could is use, what you get. I could use someone else's breasts. That's right. No, I'd like take a sec- I'd take the arm, it'd sew the back onto me, and then I'd take the next guy's arm so I could use it like as a pointer. Or I'd put, oh, right. oh no, I'd put you, wires inside of it so I could use it as like a grabber for the upper shelf. Extenders, yeah. yeah. I was gonna say you just you just uh, surgically put it right on the end of one arm so you had like one super long arm. Uh, and you could also use the legs for lamp posts. Right. Uh, yes. You know, I would make like, art installations out of everybody's one of their arms from each guy, a, a sculpture of their arm, plastinated, giving them the finger. Yeah, that's and right. And then put it in their house. No, I, so I'd they'd show wake up, up every day. I'd and show see up it. at the court trial at their, uh, you know, with, waving the at them with their arms, waving with their arms. Hi guys. Yeah. Assholes. Yeah. That, that is the only fate that would have befitted them. 2014, June, Oregon. Thanks to Corey for this. Daniel J. Calhoun of Snohomish, Washington, faces three counts of fourth-degree assault and one count each of reckless driving and second-degree criminal mischief. Okay. The crash, which occurred in Dennis L. Edwards Tunnel on US-26 in western Washington County, was the results of Calhoun holding his breath until he fainted Mm. and then crashed the 1990 Toyota Camry he was driving. But he struck an SUV head-on, and then a pickup truck hit his Camry. Oh. Uh, Okay. So what is the superstition here? That if you don't hold your breath in a tunnel, what happens? It's a superstitious game that children typically play. Right. It's like holding your breath when you go by a graveyard, which is the one that I mentioned earlier. Right. But you hold your breath when you're going through a tunnel. Okay. All right. Calhoun, his passenger, and two people in the SUV were injured. He did not show any signs of intoxication, nor were there indications he was using a cell phone or signs of a medical issue contributing to his fainting. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, though, that gets me. The tunnel is only 772 feet long. At 55 miles an hour, it would take 10 seconds to pass through. And this guy was a track and field athlete. Mm. Right. So he wouldn't pass out in 10 seconds. Yeah. I, maybe it's true. Or maybe he just wasn't paying attention right. and drifted. But right, then right. why would he make this up? Yeah. I don't know. I guess to be found blameless, maybe? Yeah. Like he's trying to get away with it? Yeah. Like because he's caused all this damage and he doesn't want to be deemed at fault? But if he uh, but, did, that's... but is this an actual superstition that people know about? I've never heard this one before. Um, I think I have heard of it. Yeah, okay. holding your breath through a tunnel. Now, uh, <clears throat> what happens if you don't hold your breath through the tunnel? Oh, it's bad luck. 
Bad luck, is oh, that it? Bad luck. It's not that oh, you die God, or anything? It always just seems to be about either bad luck or dying, right? Like every single yeah. one of these superstitions. <laughs> if you don't do it, bad luck. If you don't do it, you die. Yeah, maybe. But the, the dying one, see, the bad luck one I can kind of understand even more because you can't really disprove a negative, right? But with the whole like, oh, if you turn a fan on in your room while you sleep, you will die easily debunkable are you yeah. willing to take that risk kevin yes you just, yes, no I you're am. just going to put it in your mother's room no i'm going to go to see south if she korea. wakes up in the morning i'm going to go to south korea i'm going to turn on 77 fans around my bed right and i'm going to go to bed and then you die of hypothermia <laughs> yeah that would be the irony of it all i would uh, or, or just randomly have an aneurysm like yeah. you know because it could happen like not because of the fans, oh, just you know. I would spread the myth you would even further. Ruin Korea forever. I would be hoisted on my own fan. You'd have your webcam going, and they would all of a sudden see you sit up and clutch your head, and then fall back dead. Oh yeah. And they'd be like, "See? Mm-hmm. Let's do it." This is why you need to repeat experiments. Yeah. Here's another terrible story out of Africa. Mm-hmm. Oh, out of Africa is a terrible story. Oh. Didn't care for that movie one bit. Hi, Soda Jerks. It's Joe Fulgham here. I'm just finishing up the edit on this episode, and all I've got handy is my terrible webcam microphone. I'm going to put a content warning on this next segment right in the show. It's pretty brutal, and we might go a little too far, but I think talking about this is important, so I'm not going to remove it. But if stories about babies and terrible things happening to them really bother you and you'd rather not listen, skip ahead Six minutes and ten seconds from now. 2009 Zimbabwe, Betty McConey was raped at the age of six and uh, told to keep quiet by her mother. Uh, she realized the potentially deadly consequence of a woman's silence when she watched her father murder her mother three years later. Uh, and this culture of silence and abuse has helped to facilitate the dissemination of the virgin myth uh-huh. that's grown apace with the AIDS epidemic. Right. Oh, I have heard of this. This is awful. As an adult, McConey has devoted her life to ending the culture of systemic abuse and the ensuing shame that affects so many women in her country. The virgin myth, a widely held superstition that sex with a virgin will cure a man of HIV or AIDS and pre-AIDS, a range of mortal illnesses. So this isn't a new idea. No. Mm. Uh, has led to a rash of child rapes in sub-Saharan Africa, most notably in South Africa, and the ensuing pregnancy and AIDS infections are a little-addressed source of shame for the victims. Right. McConey, who says she's seen baby girls as young as one day old raped as a result of the myth, became aware of the scope of its consequences as a teacher. Right. The increasing absences of female students and what she found when she looked into the cause led her to found the Girl Child Network, or GCN. We'll put a link to this mm-hmm. uh-huh. up on yep. The GCN started as a support group, a safe place for victims to talk about their experiences without judgment or shame. Now there are 700 GNC clubs throughout Zimbabwe, and their methodology has been replicated in Swaziland, Malawi, and South Africa. It's become an important public forum and invaluable resources. Mm-hmm. And invalu- it's become an important public forum and an invaluable resource. McConey estimates the GCN's three empowerment villages, which provide asylum, medical care, and counseling, have helped to rescue some thirty-five thousand girls from abusive situations. Wow. Right. Well, this this sounds like a good thing. Mm-hmm. This is a positive. About ten girls per day report rapes. Given the pervasive culture of silence, one can only imagine how many go unreported. What kind of animal? Does somebody have to be to rape a defenseless child? You'd have to be 
pretty selfish, bonkers, selfish for starters. Yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, I can't even imagine the the lack of empathy that it would require for you to do something like that. Yeah, we've got so much natural like affection for kids like and, and i don't mean sexual i mean yeah. like you see a kid i don't even like kids that much but you see a baby and you go oh it's a baby because well, it's like helpless. feel you protective it and it's, nurturing and all the rest yeah. of that and then to go from that to well i better stick my dick in this so that my horrible disease goes away i wonder if any yeah, and presumably goes into the baby I if would, any of these guys end up in court and i'm I, I i because of this pervasive silence that we're talking about i'm sure many of them do not but if any of them were to end up in court mm-hmm do you think they would just go with the whole like like just put the superstition out there as their defense? Like, listen, oh yeah, I, got AIDS. I think I'm for just sure. trying to like cure my AIDS. Like, mm-hmm. this is the way to do it. This is what you got to do, you know? Uh, or do you think they'd go with the whole? Uh, listen, Your Honor, look at how cute she is. Oh God, because she has bedroom eyes. <laughs> she was she was drawing me in with her coquettish sideways looks wearing those diapers she was asking for it that's is right that what you're saying yeah oh god do you think you people are terrible you think any anybody would like try that or i'm do you sorry think i just... put this story into the google document <laughs> uh you know i'm just i'm somewhat curious i'm morbidly curious about what kind of rationalization people could come up with what would be the most sideways rationalization do we have any? I, that would be a good thing. I would. I would like to hear an interview of these guys. Yeah. Like find some guys who've been caught and charged with this, and maybe are in prison rather than yeah. have being having been killed, and said, "Why did you do this? Yeah. Why would you think it would work? Yeah. Uh, do you still think it would work? Are you right. a, an idiot or an evil? Like I yeah, don't. Yeah. Now that you've done it and yeah. your AIDS is not cured. Yeah. You know? would, would you like to talk to all the other people and tell them not to do it, please? Yeah, because you're just going to end right. up in jail and it's not going to cure your AIDS. Yeah. Yeah. This is the public service announcement. Yeah. This is what the governments of this region should be doing. Yes. To put a stop to this is getting these guys, these first person testimonials of the guys who have been convicted and put in jail as a result of this saying, hey, guess what? I did this. I'm in jail and I still have AIDS. Yeah. A number of Don't anthrop- bother. A number of anthropologists identified a variation of the practice of the virgin cleansing myth, whereby individuals who are blind, deaf, physically impaired, intellectually disabled, or who have mental health disabilities are raped under the erroneous presumption that individuals with the disabilities are sexually inactive and therefore virgin. Right. Mm. Worryingly, increasing AIDS education has not stopped the epidemic of child rape in South Africa. As AIDS rates rise, child rape stats have risen accordingly. As the virgin myth proliferates, so too can child and sexual abuse generally and rising rates of frustration, alcoholism, and financial desperation all on the rise along with AIDS rates can work in horrifying concert. This is why Mm -hmm. we need better education worldwide. You need everybody in the world to get educated. You need people to learn science education. They need to learn some some skeptical tools so they can sniff out the bullshit so they don't turn into terrible people. And we got to educate the babies on how not to be sexy. There's that as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there two sides to this coin, Joe. You can't, you can't ignore the other side of this coin. It's Kevin Leeson talking. Mm-hmm. McConey's work has been chronicled in the documentary Tapestries of Hope, which I have not watched. Mm. Mm. It's a bad title. Tapestries of Hope? Yeah. Mm. It's not a good title. It's not, it doesn't evoke the subject matter. It needs in 3D at the end? I, I wasn't going to suggest that. I don't need to see baby rapes in 3D. Uh, no, I was thinking more along the lines How of... How do you need to see them? Uh, uh, Traditional 2D, please. Yeah. Uh, no, you Black and white? With, you could go with something a little more behind a curtain of the subject matter, like baby raping. What is it good for? Or something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Pop culture, thank God. <laughs> <laughs>
Who's seen Friday the 13th? No, uh, surprisingly. Yeah, yeah, saw it ages ago. In 1980? Uh, later than that, but probably not before 1990. The movie franchise is about Jason Voorhees, mm-hmm. who drowned on Friday the 13th. Yes, at coming, Crystal Lake. Coming back on Friday the 13th to murder teenagers. Except in the first one, that's not what happened. What happened? In the first one, his mother was doing it, pretending to be him, and at oh. the end of the movie, Jason actually does show up. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Spoilage alert. Yeah. Uh, Christians have traditionally been wary of Fridays because Jesus was crucified on a Friday. Okay, so the Last Supper had 13 attendees, hence yeah. the 13, and then the crucifixion happened on Friday, hence so the Friday. So Friday the 13th so comes together. Superstition mashup. In the past, many Christians would never begin any new project or trip on a Friday, fearing they would be doomed. Mm-hmm. Some historians suggest that Christian distrust of Fridays is actually linked to the early Catholic Church's overall suppression of pagan religions and women. Mm-hmm. In the Roman calendar, Friday was devoted to Venus, the goddess of love. Oh, so orgies. When Norsemen adapted called, the calendar. Should have been called Orgy Day. They named the day after Frigg or Freya, uh-huh. Norse goddesses connected to love and sex. Both of these strong female figures once posed a threat to male-dominated Christianity, the theory goes. So the Christian church vilified the day named after them. Got it. And they, uh, well, you know, I mean, the Norse goddess, she's a goddess of sex, and her name is Frigg. You know, <laughs> it's all in the title, right? I totally got frigged on the weekend. Yeah, that's right. She likes to, uh, you, she, you get possessed by her spirit and you frig off. Researchers found that on Friday 13th, hospital admissions for traffic-related accidents rose by around 52%. Mm-hmm. In Finland, researchers looked into the incidence of deaths over 324 Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. with a control of 100, over 1,300 normal Fridays. Uh-huh. They found that 38% more women died on the fateful days due to anxious driving. Right. Causing the accident. Right. Yeah, so yeah. they're like looking around nervously and shifty and nervous and like, you know, expecting something bad to happen and then becomes a self Trying to pay prophecy. attention to everything so you don't actually pay attention to the few things that are super important. Yeah. 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 Like staying on the road. What if other J- cars? What if Jason Voorhees is in my backseat? Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And don't, what if I'm having sex at, a, at an abandoned campsite and, you know, inevitably somebody will do me in? I watched uh, 1408. It was a horror film starring John Cusack. Mm-hmm. Uh, set uh, uh, in the, around Samuel the time Jackson. of Discovery of North America? No, no. It's about room 1408 in uh, the Dolphin Hotel in New York City, uh-huh. which I think is completely fictional. I'm pretty sure. John Cusack plays an author who specializes in the horror genre. His career is basically, uh, he investigates haunted houses and haunted yep. uh, hotels and stuff. But he, He's a uh, paranormal investigator. But unlike people like on these terrible paranormal investigator TV shows, yep. uh, he's never found anything doesn't fake it he's become completely disillusioned and pessimistic he's Got a total it. skeptic mm-hmm. okay but he sells lots of books right. and is very good at writing up how creepy places feel while still saying yeah nothing but there's, but there's nothing, nothing here. here yeah uh so he goes to this dolphin hotel and there's this infamous room 1408 uh which he wants to get for the final chapter of his new book right long story short the room 1408 is uh as samuel L. jackson it's a fucking evil room Mm. And it mm-hmm. just basically tortures him and treats him horribly and makes him see all sorts of awful things and harm himself and have all these. It's basically once he's in the room, it just it notches up the terror for him. It's progression. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm. But not a lot because I was kind of watching it just going, 
there's no rules going on here, right? Right? Like there's they no established the universe and then played within the sandbox. It's, it's just like the house. I, I had the feeling that the room could kill him anytime it wanted to. Right. It's like how I feel when I watch a Harry Potter movie. Mm-hmm. There are some rules, but there's rules that are broken all the time. Yeah, they just throw them out the window when it yeah. services. Yeah, the that's plot. true. But but this is even worse. Like because I just because it's like having Voldemort holding not Harry Potter, who he's not allowed to kill, but just somebody. And he's like, you could kill him anytime. Why are you toying with him over an almost two hour long movie? Right, right. Like, I could not believe how long this movie was. So it's all really well done. Yeah. And it certainly hits those tropes right. And I think if you like those kind of get engrossed in it and get scared for no good reason kind yeah. of movies, you'll probably love it. But I personally didn't like it. This is very much a, a me kind of dismissal of the movie. So uh, is it if it sticks to tropes, does it kill him and then you know erases memory of him? Or does it does he wake up and, and you know he's gone insane and everybody's like, oh, he's just crazy now. He, they, nothing. It's not the room that is evil. He's There's crazy. Actually, three different endings. Oh, okay. Oh, I was hoping there'd be thirteen. would've <laughs> <laughs> uh, been awesome. In one of the endings, he does live. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But he goes insane. Happens. I, I. That's not the ending that I saw. Okay. I only read it briefly on Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he lives and he's happy or something because okay. they tried to give it a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, in the other endings, he dies, and there's varying degrees of closure for him. Right. Uh, he's. It's got a whole thing with. Uh, he was married, and of course, pretty typically, his daughter dies, and that splits his marriage up, which right. is part of why he's horribly depressed. So he keeps mm-hmm. seeing his daughter in this room, and she right. keeps talking to him. So after he dies, he's with his daughter, and that's supposed to be the spoiler right. alert. Right. Uh-huh. Uh. Yeah. If you like scary horror hotel movies, you'll. I think you'll really like this. I think it's really well done. I think right. Samuel L. Jackson is good. I think John Cusack's pretty good. I think the scares are set up. It just felt too set up yeah. to me yeah, yeah. Like, it was a it was a horror by numbers yes right yeah. and no, no unlucky surprises. numbers unlucky 1408 oh the room is actually on the 13th floor right, right. and 14 the 14th floor. 1408 adds up to 13 one four zero and eight. Oh, yes. look at that yep and the room's lock key is six two one four which adds up to 13 the and first death was in 1912. Oh my which adds God, up to what is happening? <laughs> and the release date, June 22nd, 2007, that adds up to 13. There you go. So a bunch of clever people made a pretty good uh, horror movie, but I'm just not interested in pretty good horror movies. Got it. Meh. They have to be uh, Cabin in the Woods. It's all about the superstition of these haunted places and people believing them. And uh, he's very good at being skeptical of it and pointing out, you know, most of it's just hotel owners who want to get a 50% bump in their right. room fill rates because th- he features them in their in his books and stuff like Got that. Got it. Your occupancy skyrockets yeah. once you get a haunted house profile. Yep. If I can get 13 more people at $13.13, that's not very much. No, but... Here's the thing, but then uh, obviously the room isn't on with this plan because uh, you're not going to get that repeat customer if you keep killing everybody. Well, but that's the thing about 1408. So he goes to all these other places, has written multiple books, has never found yeah. anything real, mm-hmm. shows up to this one, and he's like, I want to go in, the four- in room 1408. And they tell him no. They're like, mm-hmm. nope, you can't. And he's like, yeah, come on. You, you're just, you're going to jerk me around and then you're finally going to let me so I can do this for you. And he eventually has to get the lawyers involved. He right. like, it's his publisher to tell the lawyers to threaten to sue if they won't give him this unoccupied room. Right. And so they do it. And when they do, there's this scene with Samuel L. Jackson, who's the hotel manager, mm-hmm. who's basically pleading with him to not go in the room and starts telling about all the deaths that took place, which he knows about most of them. 
Uh, and then he gives them a file with a whole bunch more deaths right. uh, that weren't murders, but just have other explanations. Yeah, mysterious. And, and he's like, yeah, he's like, I will give you this file if you don't go in that room. Like he's honestly saying, right. please don't go in the room. You can have all this stuff to write about. Right. It'll, you'll just die. You get a story. And I don't want you to die. Yeah. We're not, we don't let anybody in that room. Do they say what the original, like, why it's haunted, what what happened? What the, what the, uh, the source of the evil is? No, there was no initial Man, I respect no that. story set up. It's just, I it's respect a, that. like, he literally leans in and says, it's a fucking evil room. Like, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I, I respect the fact that they don't explain it. Yeah. I, I hate that when there's too much exposition, you like, uh, you know, you have to go over the top with like, oh, there's it, the, you, there was a devil sacrifice right. and this and that happened and blah, blah, blah. You don't always need that. Not, not everything in the world needs to have a, a neat, tidy bow. It doesn't. I do wonder, though, if they had given us an explanation, if we then could have understood some rules involved in how right. it was allowed to treat him. Because that was really my problem. Like, right. I was like, how does he get it? He, how does he get out of this? The story finishes. Like, that's right. it. Like, that's the only way he's going to get out, when the room is done with him somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Couldn't have just walked out? No. Door was locked. Weird spatial stuff kept happening. Would try to get out of the, uh, like, crawl out the window and along the ledge, and all of a sudden the ledge is 500 feet long. Mm-hmm. Things like that. It gets, it gets increasingly trippy. And really, again, really well done. Kudos to the filmmakers. It's just, you know, that base story. Maybe watch it while you're on mushrooms. It's such a weird feeling to know you're alive. It's such an awful feeling. You're dying inside. And when you wake up, startled to say, I hope I don't go crazy today. It's such a bad feeling, an ominous feeling, a feeling you know that we'll be back. When the week is new And we'll have more gross facts for you And you'll have things you want to hear about We will too Caustic Soda was recorded by Mike Leeson while being torn apart by rabid squirrels. To comment on episodes, make donations, and for links, images, videos, and show notes, visit causticsodapodcast.com. Rate and review us on iTunes. Visit us on Facebook. Tweet us on Twitter at Caustic Podcast. Email us at info at causticsodapodcast.com. Thanks for listening. You want to do Evil Eye? Like what I'm giving you right now? Yeah, for making you do work. Mm-hmm.